Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week we saw two life points I think uh, so important. Again, for the last couple of weeks in this study of life, uh, we've kind of looked at, uh, not kind of, we, we have looked at sin and grace. And uh, we saw the importance of both of those things as far as how it goes in our lives. But last week, the, the two life points we saw was because of sin, at times, good people suffer wrong. Uh, again, the, the, the question that is asked so many times, even of Christians, is why, why do bad things happen to innocent people? I mean, kids and, and, and just in this I mean, just world is ravaged, it seems like, with bad things happening with good people. And again, we, we see very clearly in Scripture, I'm not saying this, nothing, none of this is, is uh, pretentious or presumptuous that going through bad things is easy. So just because we have an answer doesn't make it easy to go through, right? You go through something bad in your life when you haven't necessarily done anything that you can point to that says, well, this is the reason why I'm going through this bad, because I made this decision. But just you go through something really great, really horrible. And when I say great, I mean catastrophic, or, or, or I'm not talking about good. Um, and so we, we go through these things, go through these trials, go through these attacks, go through all these, again, bad things happening to good people. And again, just because we have the answer, well, the reason why we have to deal with bad at all is because sin is in the world, uh, period. Uh, that doesn't make it easier. I, I realize that it doesn't make it easier for all of us. Again, the only thing that helps us through is the Word of God, the Spirit of God, our faith in God, and, and again, Him carrying us through those times. That's the only way. So if you, if you try to go through the trials in your life, if you try to go through the bad, uh, even when you're trying to do right, and you try to do it in your own strength, you're, it's going to eat your lunch. Amen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tear you up. It's going to pull you out. It's going to pull you away. You cannot deal with it on your own. Uh, that's why, again, look, look at all what's going on in the world today. People try to numb their problems with drugs and alcohol and sex and money and, and all that kind of stuff. There's so many things that people try to numb themselves with, it just doesn't work. They try to numb it with work. They try to numb it with activity and busyness. That you, you can't drown your problems in anything. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, all that you are, who are weak and heavy laden, and I will be the one that gives you rest. I, I take my yoke upon you, because it's, it's light, it's easy, you know, because I'm in it with you. I'm, I'm there with you. And so again, um, so many times, even as Christians, we say, I have faith in God, I have faith in Christ, I'm, I'm trusting in Him, but we end up trying to carry the load ourselves in our life of our problems and the things that we deal with, and it just eats our lunch. And then we turn around and want to say, why God? Why is it, why? God's like, man, I, the problems aren't my cause. I feel like that's what God says. I, I didn't cause the problems. I provided the solution, and I give you help through it, but you won't have it. You won't, you won't, you won't let me do it. You're trying to do it yourself. But again, it's at times, because of sin, good people suffer wrong. The second one was because of grace at all times. So because of sin at times, good people suffer wrong, but because of grace at all times, not just sometimes, at all times, God is with his people in their suffering. I mean, you could go from the very beginning. God has always been with his people, even when they feel like, man, I mean, think about this. The, God the Son, God the, 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 the Son of God is, is going to suffer for uh, the sins of the world. And, and in the garden, he surrenders as an example for us, I believe. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, God has never forsaken. 
He's not uh, looked on sin, can't have anything to do with sin. Again, we won't get into all that. That's a completely different message. But again, we're studying the character of Joseph, and we're looking at his life. And up to this point, man, <laughs> he's got a really good blessed life as far as his father and, and the things that have happened to them. But what has happened to him has been pretty bad. I mean, his brothers hate him. They sold him into slavery. They gave him over to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites, in turn, head, are headed to um, Egypt. And when they get there, Potiphar wants Joseph. So they sell Joseph to Potiphar, who is the captain over the army of, uh, of Egypt, of, over all of Egypt. And so, uh, again, we, let's remember, while Joseph was not sinless, we know that the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's from the very beginning of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we know Joseph wasn't a sinless man. That, there's no, no question about that. But what we've seen in Scripture, what we see in his life, is he's been a righteous man. In other words, he's been striving to stay in right fellowship with God Almighty. He's made right decisions. He's made what we would call good decisions in his life. And this is what he has received because of the life that he's lived. Because of the decisions he's made, he has received evil. Now again, say, man, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to, if, if you know that bad's going to exist in the world and, and it's going to happen to good people, why wouldn't you just not just live your life and do whatever you want to do and experience the good and the bad with, with all of that? I, I can't get into that message. <laughs> That's a long message. Well, the, 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 the ultimate thing is this, because that leads to death. I mean, sin leads to death. I mean, you, you, you can't live your life for you and go to heaven in the end. I mean, it, it takes a, a, a surrender to Jesus Christ, faith in him to go to heaven. Um, and so, again, a lot of people try to do that, though. We're going to get into uh, the other slice of the pie this morning, though. Uh, those who profess Christ, who still want to live their life, or maybe clothe it in something else, uh, and it looked like something. But what we see in the silver lining, uh, again, in that point too, was this, that God is with us in his grace. No matter what we go through, Joseph was going through something horrific. Again, we can, we can try to put our mind in and in, in go through what he was going through. I don't know anybody in this room can say, I've been through something like Joseph has been through. I mean, maybe you have. It would be a great story to hear. But, I mean, this is where he's at. He has been sold now twice in slavery, and he's done nothing, committed no crime. He's done nothing, and he is now being persecuted to an extent that his life is out of his hands. Now, last week we saw that God was with him, and that's a great thing, right? But did that change Joseph's circumstances? No. Did you hear what I said? God was with him, but just the fact that God was with him didn't make him no longer a slave to Potiphar. No, he was still a slave. He was still completely removed from his family. He was still completely removed from his home. He was still in a horrible circumstance. But God was with him. You hear that? A lot of times we, we, we go through these things and we're like, I just don't know if God's with me. Just because it's bad doesn't mean that God isn't with you. Joseph was in a horrible circumstance. And very clearly, Scripture says that God was with him. God was doing something in, in, in this situation as well. And again, I think so important, these li this life lesson we'll see this morning, it, we'll see in verse 3, if you have your Bibles there in Genesis 39, look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So the Bible tells us that the Lord is with him, and then he made everything that, again, that God had blessed him, that God has called Joseph to prosper even in the midst of all of his, his difficulty, in the bad circumstances, in the, in the bad hand that he was dealt, 
the Bible very clearly says that God was with him, but also that his master saw that God was with him. And, and this is not even in my notes, it's something the Lord just laid on my heart. I want you to know this. The world is looking at us. And when we go through difficulty, they're measuring how real God, God is, in their mind, God is, on how we handle the circumstances that we go through in our life. They look at us, and, and, and they can either see, they can see what, what, they saw, what, what, what Potiphar saw in Joseph and say, man, something's real about that guy's faith. Something's real about that guy's God. That's what Potiphar said. He says he saw that not something was with him or, or something's different about Joseph. He didn't, it doesn't say that. Scripture says that his master saw that the Lord was with him. It was evident that God's hand was in Joseph's life to a lost man. And I, I'm just wondering in our lives today in 2019, as followers of Jesus Christ, whose lives have been radically transformed, supposedly, by the Holy Spirit of God, by the, the, the transforming power of God, uh, because of his grace in our salvation, our lives have been radically transformed, supposedly. I just wonder how much our faith in God, our life lived for God, regardless of the bad circumstances we go through, causes the lost co-workers we have, the lost family members we have, the lost neighbors we have, to look at our lives, even in the midst of suffering, and say, God is with them. If, if I ever doubted if there was a real God, I don't know if I can anymore because of what I see in their life. And I wonder if that would be the testimony that, that we have. And you say, I don't, I don't think this is what I have. Man, that should, that should be what we should be striving. The Bible calls us ambassadors for Christ. We are representing him. And what do we say to this lost world that the Bible says is, is, is blinded by the God of this world, that they're in darkness still? What does it say to them about our God who we're supposed to be representing that when we go through something difficult, we handle it just the way that they handle it? Again, that's not even notes. That's first message for you. There you go. But the, the Bible goes on to say that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So the Lord was with him. The master, his master, his lost, per, lost master, saw that God was with him. And then he also observed that everything Joseph was about seemed to have God's blessing on it as well. Regardless of what little job, well, maybe Joseph started out picking weeds out of the, the flower bed of the palace. Or, and maybe, the, maybe he started doing the laundry for all the, the army or a certain regiment of the army there in Pharaoh's and, and and maybe everybody started talking about how amazing that their clothes were and, and how beautiful the gardens were. And, and, and man, everything Joseph does, as, he's just a slave. I mean, everything he's doing, though, is prospering. He's blessed. It's, it's not just good. It's better than it ever was before. God was causing his, his, his work to prosper. Now, maybe you knew somebody like this in school. Maybe you're still in school. And you know somebody, or maybe it's not in school. Maybe you knew maybe you knew somebody that you used to work with, or maybe you know somebody right now that you work with, or maybe you have a neighbor. You look at that neighbor and you say, "Man, everything they do turns to gold." I mean, they're not. Maybe it's this situation. They're not even living for God, and it seems like they have no problems. They have everything. They, their life seems so amazing and so wonderful. Again, our our judgment on that is 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 uh, suspect. What we're judging from, but. Again, maybe you knew somebody, maybe you know somebody, uh, and, and, and maybe it was in school. It seems like they didn't even have to hardly try. They just showed up to class and got 100s all the time. 
say, oh, yeah, I knew that person. Maybe you were that person. No. Sports. Maybe they, they, I've, never, I've never played this before. Let me see. And then they dominate you. You know, like, whatever. But this is a different level in our text, what we see here in Joseph. Completely different. Potiphar saw that something was different about him, absolutely. But he saw that in Joseph, everything he was a part of, the Bible said, prospered. The word prosper means to push forward. It means to break out. It means to be profitable. It wasn't just that Joseph was talented or good at stuff. It was that everything he was a part of seemed to move forward. And, and, and again, and, and we're especially talking to me as, as a man, and I think a lot of men, but I think even ladies, we want to see progress in something, right? But for men, like, I don't want to just waste my time with something. If I'm going to do a project, I want it to, be, to come to fruition and, and to be what I intended it to be. And there's times that it just doesn't happen like that. As, as much as we want to, as much effort as we put into it, sometimes it doesn't do. You say, you walk back out there the next day, and you're like, it doesn't look like I did anything yesterday. You know, it doesn't look, you know, you're trying to clean out the garage or clean out the attic, and you walk back up, and you're like, oh, I don't think I made any progress. I don't know that anything was moved forward. I don't know that, again, anything was profitable. The time that I spent, the effort that was given, I don't know if anything was profitable. That's what this biblical word prosper means. It means that it moves forward, it breaks out, it's profitable, there's progress. Again, everything Joseph did seemed to go right and go well and move the good direction, the right direction uh, that was intended. So when you're talking about an army general, when you're talking about somebody who's trying to rule in a kingdom, and they see somebody that, man, everything they touch works. (laughs) Every project they take on comes to fruition. Everything that they're a part of Seems to be profitable. It's, it's better this place. Oh, wait a second. I wonder if I can put him over some more important aspects, not just cleaning out the flower beds or folding soldiers' clothes or, or anything. Maybe I can give him some greater responsibilities, and then maybe it'll be even better in the kingdom. Again, it wasn't just that he was good and stuff, but God was with him. And to this point, I I want us to remember that we live in a society, and I think that we can all get pulled into this society or this mindset that's infatuated with, that's obsessed with, that even idolizes prosperity and success. That's where we're at. I mean, we we can try to deny, so I don't know that I'm like, yes, yes, we, we can all be pulled into that. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with having ambition. There's nothing wrong with striving for excellence. I don't think anything's wrong. I think that we should. I think the Bible says that we are to do everything that we do as unto the Lord with our very best efforts. So I don't think there's anything. But what I'm talking about is going to a different level or a different place, not level, a different place of this ambition, of these goals, of this idea, of this uh, drive. And that is to the point of uh, secularizing and even even in in, in uh, or carnalizing, idolizing something that is only valuable in that sense, worldly, fleshly, um, for man. I think that we can all be pulled apart of that, uh, pulled into part of that, be a part of it. Uh, there's shows that you can turn on your TV and watch that show off nothing but what people own, right? The cars, the houses, and I mean, to me, some of the stuff's pretty impressive, what they own, you know? What's that? Well, that's a, that's a fork. Oh, where'd you get it? I got it from Italy. I don't know if this is real, but it's kind of an example of the, the craziness. 
I got a familiar. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's diamond encrusted. Oh, it's diamond encrusted. Yeah, it costs $2 million. Oh, that fork costs $2 million. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we, and so in society, we look at that and say, oh man, they are successful. I mean, they've got so much money. They are so successful that they can just throw around $2 million to buy a, a diamond encrusted golden fork from Italy that sits in a box for people to walk in their house and see, not to even eat pie with, <laughs> apple pie with ice cream. They, it's not for that. It's just to sit there and show off and say, I spent $2 million on a golden diamond encrusted fork from Italy. And we look at that and say, can you imagine how awesome it would be if we had that much money? Oh, man. And there's something inside of our flesh that begins to pull us and say, oh, man, I'd like to get a fork that maybe is $1,000. I don't know if I ever find one for two, or be able to afford $2 million, but I'll, I'll get me a $1,000 fork one day. Cubic zirconian encrusted silver one. But that's kind of the mindset that we, we're programmed to have in this world, to, to have this idea that, that success is this idol, that, that, that worldly success it, 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 this monetary success, success in what the world says is success, is the goal of our life, is the drive of our life. And we, we teach our kids this. And, and again, I, I want my girls to, to make straight A's. I, and the reason why, because I believe they're capable of doing that. I, and the reason why that's important to me is because I want them to learn the importance of the effort given to a responsibility. And those, that effort will pay off in this. And the reason why that's so important is, again, that applies in this life. No matter what they're doing, flipping burgers, owning a business, I don't care what it is. Being a missionary on a foreign field, being a pastor's wife, whatever. But again, learning those principles of everything you do, you do as unto the Lord. The world says there's a, there's a different reason why you need to, to get straight A's. Because you're only going to be afforded these opportunities, and you're only going to be successful. And you're only going to have this, and you're only going to have these opportunities in the world and, and have money and be financially free and financially stable and be able to retire. And I talked about that at men's conferences this, this, this past weekend, too. That's, that's an idol that we've made in our world. I'm not trying to talk bad about anybody who's retired or anybody who has a retirement account or anybody who's trying to, uh, to, to, to have a good retirement. I'm not saying anything bad, but here's the reality. We, be, we make that an idol in our world. It's, a, it's more of a modern cultural movement than it is a biblical thing. And again, I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. What is wrong or bad is when we idolize that and we live our lives for that one day that we can live a certain way. When the Lord says, redeem the time now because the days are evil. Live it like it's your last. Live it for eternity. Hey, be responsible. Yeah, you got insurance, whatever, 401k, great, praise the Lord. But don't live for that. The world says that's success. Have everything you want. Be able to buy and live how you want to live. Be able to retire how you want to retire, where you want to retire. That's what the world says. Now, that's a successful life. And that's nowhere in the Bible. That's nowhere, the God doesn't say that's successful at all. But with Joseph, what we see is he's doing things in a circumstance of life that's horrible. And God is causing it 
to be profitable, successful. He's blessing it. It's working. It's moving forward. God, again, God's hand is on it. I remember playing sports, and uh, there were some guys that I played sports with, and I did not want a locker next to them because they were so superstitious that it was offensive, the smell of some of their garments. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I mean, somebody just coughed and made me think about gagging. Um, <laughs> And that's what you walk in. Like, Had a little flashback. I think I, I think I went a little berserk this weekend because I smelled some dirty socks and and I mean it was bad and and it was like flashback, you know. I go, oh no, something stinks. Something's horrible. You ask the guys, they're like, whoa. But it was bad, you know. I was like, man, this. I need to get in the shower and wash your clothes with it. And I don't know. But I remember playing sports, and, and uh, again, I know some people do that still today. There's superstitions, you know. Uh, people think, well, I'm, I'm only going to wear this shirt when I play a game until we lose. And then when we lose, I'll change it up. You know, or I'm not going to wash these socks until we lose. <laughs> that was a real thing. And there were socks that, I mean, this is not a joke, and once they dried, they would stand up straight in the locker. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> that is real. And... Uh, I don't know what was living in them, but it was bad. But so many people are in pursuit of that, right? That, that's, that's how they live life. And sadly, many people are willing to use the Lord as a means to get that worldly prosperity. Many people are, are, are living their life like that, like, like a superstitious way. Like, like if I keep God as an idol in my life, then, then maybe I'll have worldly blessings. Mean, maybe I'll get the money and, and the retirement and the stuff and the health. And, and if I just kind of keep him in my life next to me, then I'll have that, you know, I'll rub that, that genie bottle and, and, and it'll be good with me in, in this life. In other words, they only want a relationship with God only as it benefits them in this temporal realm. Only. Oh, absolutely, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, I want that benefit too. But the only reason I really kind of want to be in the realm of God in this world is because I want him to bless my job. I want him to bless my money. I want him to bless my health and my kids. I want him to bless, I want to have a, a good life in this temporal realm. I want God to bless me like that. And so I'll keep him around, and I'll claim his name and, and all those things, but it's only like that. I'll go to church. I'll follow God. I'll follow God only if things go good and if things are blessed. And we've got to look at our story. Again, what lesson we're learning, because that's not what Joseph was doing. He wasn't going after God. He wasn't living for God. He wasn't doing the things that he was doing that were right just because things were going good with him. Remember, he got bad because of that. But because of his fidelity to God in the midst of all this, God was saying, you know what, I'm going to keep my hand on you. I'm going to bless you and use you as an example and as a testimony. But there's some people that, sadly, I think today, still have that mindset of, I'll just go to church and I'll follow God as long as things are good. It's not that they really want God himself. It's not that they're really interested in interacting with the creator that was so broken that sin severed the relationship that he provided the solution in sending his only son to die on the cross for their sins. 
They're not so interested in that God and having a, a sincere relationship with Him. But they're only interested in what a relationship with that God would afford them temporally. Now, I want to say this. There's absolutely an aspect of having a relationship with Almighty God that has to do with blessings that are incomparable in this world. Absolutely. To have a relationship with Almighty God, there are those benefits in this world, that the, the blessings that come along with, with that. Absolutely. But I, I want you to look back and see that Scripture says specifically that the master, Potiphar, saw he observed, he witnessed. It was clear that Yahweh, the Lord, was with Joseph. It was not a question. It was not something that, that Potiphar thought, I need to get me one of those idol gods like he's got. He just kind of puts it on, and, and then good things happen, and then he can kind of live how he wants to live. It's not that. He saw very clearly the holy God of, of, of mankind was with Joseph. He saw it, the Bible says. And it was so obvious that God was blessing him. And it's recorded in the scripture. But this lost, foreign, Egyptian general saw this in, in Joseph's life. And so point number, the life point this morning is this. God desires to bless from a close relationship, not from cloaked religion. God desires to bless us as his, as his people from a close relationship. Not from, not from some religion that, that we've covered our lives with and, and, and kind of presented to the world like, yeah, we're Christians. Now, God wants to bless us from an intimate, close relationship. Yes, we know that he, it says in Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, that God causes it to rain on the unjust just as he does for the just. He, he says that in Matthew chapter 5, uh, there in um, verse 45, it says that you may be the children of your father. He just talked about, well, go back. Let's read 44, 43. You've heard that it's been said, you, love, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Because that resembles your father, which is in heaven. The, the same father that causes it to rain on the just and on the unjust. God desires to bless us from an intimate relationship, a close relationship, not from a cloaked religion. Psalm chapter 1 tells us very clearly it's this type of relationship that God uses and blesses through. In Psalm chapter 1, it says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or what's the counsel? The advice. The, the way, the, the, uh, the, the course, the, again, look at, look at what happens. What I just said a while ago, the world says this is success. Live your life like this. Be driven because of this. Be successful because of this. That's what the world says. And the Bible says you are happy, extremely blessed and extremely happy if you don't walk in that type of counsel. If you don't go and live your life by that advice and by that counsel, you will be blessed. So why do you think that so many Christians struggle and are in turmoil and, 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 are, and are wrapped up and, and they just say, I just, I just can't ever get happy and joyous in my life and, and, and I'm supposed to be. I just, I can't pretend. Why do you think Christians are in so much turmoil? It's not that it's something new in this world today that Christians struggle or that attacks are coming to the church. That's nothing new. I wonder if it's that we live in such 
a secular society that's becoming ever more secular and ever more sinful. It's growing and growing. That we, be, we live in such a, a, a culture that, as I said a while ago, exalts the temporal so much that that's how we deem a good life, uh, uh, what, what a life is good and, and, and blessed by. And so we begin to listen to all the lies that the world, the counsel that the world tells us. And so when it doesn't happen the way that we're trying to live our lives, the, that way, and, and we get upset, and we, we, we struggle financially, and our health is struggling, and we're just not happy. We're, we're not that blessed man that Psalm chapter 1 says. So why? What's wrong with me? Again, the Bible says, if you want to be blessed, then don't live by the counsel, the advice of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful, the scoffers, the people that sit back and, and scoff. Don't do that. The, the blessed man doesn't do that. The blessed man doesn't walk by the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't sit or, 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 or stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. But who is the blessed man? What does his life look like? It says, the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Do you see that? Blessed is the man. That, 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 that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't uh, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful, but the blessed man makes his delight in the law of the Lord. But it goes further. It's not just say, oh yeah, I love hearing messages. I, I mean, I, I love going to church every week. No, it says, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That's the blessed man. How can somebody have nothing in this world? How can somebody be sold in slavery? How can somebody have nothing of their own, be an absolute bond, uh, be a slave uh, to a foreign evil power and still be blessed by God and be happy and, and have joy? How can somebody who is being persecuted, being put up against a tree, wrapped around it with stakes, uh, with, with uh, kindling all underneath them, having already been beaten and having already been stoned and having already uh, uh, tried to say, you need to renounce Christ, how can they sit there at that, that, that burning post and say, I love you, Jesus loves you, God loves you, and be willing to be burned to death for the sake of Christ and count it as a privilege, a joy, and the blessed life. Read the book of martyrs. That's what's happened throughout history. People counting it a blessing to suffer for the Christ that died for them. And we, that's not, no, not me. Like, I want comfort. I want money. I want success in the world. I want my kids to have that. That's the blessed and happy life for me. The Bible says no. No, if you want to be the blessed person by God, you need to delight in the law of the Lord. You need to be in his law, meditating on it day and night. And it's that person that will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water who's fruitful season after season and will not die. His leaf shall not wither. And then look at that last one. And whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. That's success in God's eyes. It's not, well, if you just work hard and, and, and make smart decisions and, 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 and you work way up, then you'll have plenty of money and live be able to financially free life and, and be able to retire and have whatever you want to do. That's, that's success. That's prosperity. No, it's not. All that's going to burn up. It's empty. That's empty. It's vanity. That's what, that's what Solomon said. 
Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. But if we will press in to the word of God and we will delight in his law and say, listen, I I want your word in me and I want to share your word. It's my delight. It's everything for me. The Bible says that you'll be like a tree that's right there by the rose wall. It can't can't be shaken, can't be uprooted. Its roots go too deep because it's got so much nourishment from that river underneath and outside and its fruit is over, uh, overflowing and, and it happens every season. The leaves never die. It's, it's just a fruitful tree. It's only the person that's there meditating in the law of the Lord day and night, delighting in God's word. Psalm 90 verse 17, and I'm almost done. Let the beauty of the Lord and our God be upon us. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. God, you do it. It has to be of you. Proverbs chapter 3. I love this chapter. It says this. My son, forget not my law. There it is again. The word of God. But let my commandment, let my heart keep my commandments. Why? Because length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. We want God's peace. We want God's blessing. And we want to say, well, we're not supposed to obey God's because that's the law. God's grace, we just kind of call ourselves a Christians and frolic through the fields and, and, and everything's going to be wonderful in our life because of God's grace. Listen, God's grace is amazing and it's absolute, but God's grace is so powerful and it's such a, a, a humbling thing. Man, God gave his grace, but in giving his grace, he didn't take away what he wanted us to do. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. A new commandment I give unto you. Commandment. That means I want you to obey it. Love one another as I have loved you. If you love one another as I loved you, then that's how all men will know that you're my disciples. But keeping his commandments, length of days, long life, and peace. We say that's what we want, but it's through, again, God's word and Fidelity to him, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find, look, here it is, favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Do you see that? We, we want all the blessings of God, again, in a different way. We, we want it because we just claim the name of Christ. We want this successful life in, in, in the world. We want what the world says is success and want to have God as this idol in our life. And not have a sincere relationship and know his word and pour over his word and let his word pour in us and us delight in it and obey it. But the Bible says when you do that, that you'll find favor and good understanding on the side of both God and man. It's a different path of success than what the world says. The Bible, said, the Bible just said, we read it all ago in, in Psalm chapter 1. Don't go on the counsel of the ungodly. Don't go with what the ungodly says you need to do. That's not the way of success. God's way says if you'll do it through the word of God, if you'll do it through obedience, fidelity, out of a sincere heart because you have a true relationship with God, then you will find these things that man desires in this life. And then he says this. How are we going to do this, God? How are we going to do that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. But it doesn't stop there. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do you hear that? It's, it's, it's a simple thing. If you will press into God, if you will give him everything, if you will be in his word and allow his word to be in you, and don't look at your circumstances, don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly, don't do any of those things, just press into God, and do these things and not try to figure it out yourself, but trust God, 
Look what happens. It'll be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Look at what it says in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. In other words, honor the Lord from your wealth, from your prosperity. If you, if you feel like, man, God, this is what we have, honor God with that, it says, and from the first fruits of all your, uh, the first of all your produce. If you do that, if your trust is in God, if he is your source, if he is your delight, and you lavish everything you have on him, look what happens. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You want to have blessing in this world. It doesn't come by going the world's way. And blessing in this world is going to look different than what the world says is blessing. It's a unique kind of blessing. We want to take and take from God and call it, well, that's just the way it's supposed to be. But is that how any relationship in this world works for us? We just take and take and take and then it's a good relationship? No. It's not. We see in the intimate relationship with God, trust, complete trust abides. And with this, an honoring of God with our substance, an honoring of God with our being, an honoring of God even with our possessions. God will honor you with everything we have, our everything, our work, the fruit of our work, our money. We honor him first and above all because our heart is doing this. That's what we want to do. The blessings flow from God, and so the spiritual blessings are the most important and most valuable. So when we look at, say, man, my time, my talent, even my treasure, to give to God, absolutely, because I love him. I have a relationship with him. I can't do enough for him in his church. I can't give enough to him in his church. I can't, I, there's just not, an, I want to do more and more and more. So we don't like talking about that when it comes to God, but the reality of in our life is this. When we love something or love someone, we lavish them with our time, our talents, and our treasure. When we love something or, or someone, we will spend thousands of dollars upon, on something because we love it, even at the risk of going in debt. Because I love it. I want it. I, I, it's, it's just an amazing, but here's the question. How do we do this with God? I love God above everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love God above everything. But when it comes to doing something for God or even giving something for, to God, even a portion to God, we said, no, I can't afford to do that. But we will spend thousands on things that we love, thousands of stuff for us. For our, we will go broke trying to give our kids the opportunities and the stuff. I just wonder if our love and our worship of our kids exceeds that for who we call Lord. I love my kids and I love my life. Do you love it more than you love your Lord? I say, yeah, but God doesn't need my money. No, absolutely, he doesn't need nothing from us. He's God. But God wants a relationship with us. And why is it that we try to redefine what a successful relationship is? Because it's not convenient for us to do it the way God wants us to do it. I, don't, I just don't think, that God, I mean, is it really that important? Look, make no mistake, it's not a slot machine relationship. I'm not trying to say that because Joseph put these good things in to this slot machine of God, that God turned around and, and blessed him, and that's how it works in our life, and that's what God wants from us. It's not that, okay, God, I went to church, I gave my money, I served in this ministry, and now I need you to just make everything wonderful in my life. <laughs> that's not it. That's not what God's interested at all either. I mean, think about a relationship like that. Think about a marriage like that. 
All right, did all my duties. All right, do your duties. That's not, that's not a good relationship. I give to God some money that I, I made. He makes that blow up. What we want it to be, blow up in more stuff and more money. But what God does is so much more than money in return. We come at with the wrong perspective, wrong heart many times. Does the anniversary gift mean anything when you say, here, I'd rather spend some money on some more fishing equipment for myself, but here, this is for you. Some flowers. <laughs> uh, I don't want the flowers, right? Right, ladies? If your husband comes up to you and says, I'd much rather have this, but I got you flowers. It's a waste of money. <laughs> Wrong heart. Why would we treat God with that heart? God, you own everything. You know I'd give you something. God, you know I'd give you more time. God, you know I'd give you more money. God, you know I'd give you more, more of the things that you've blessed me with. And, and no, I'm not a covetous person. I'm not an idolatrous person. God, I'm not a selfish person. I'm not serving money. I'm not serving myself. I'm not serving my kids. You know I'd be willing to give you but I'm just going to spend this money on, on me instead. You understand, right, God? Because you're loving. You're gracious. You, you, you understand why I'm not doing those things for you, and I'm doing them for myself. Again, it's not, God, I'll give you all the time. I'll give you all the money. I'll give you all the, the, the talents. And I've done that, but why am I still struggling financially? Why am I not rich? Wrong heart, wrong motive. God, you are my love. God, you are my all. You saved my soul. You're the lover of my soul. You've given me everything. And so here's just a small portion of the time that you've given me in my life. Here's just a small portion of the abilities that you've given me. Here's just a small portion of the, the tangible blessings that you've given to me, to, for you. It is, and it's not because you need it. It's because I want to give it to you. It's because you've blessed me so richly, and I want to give to you the lover of my life. It's that for our money and our abilities, our time, it's a joy. It's a different approach, and I'm done. It's a different approach that a gambler has than a friend. It's a different, different approach that a, that a solicitor has than a, than a son, right? You, you, a gambler goes up to the table and is, is risking something. A friend doesn't do that. A friend can approach because of the relationship and expect. That's what Jesus taught. Same thing about a son. Uh, a solicitor goes up and hopes that he'll, he'll get the sale. That's not what a son does. A son, because of the relationship, can enter in. We are friends of God. Jesus said, if we do whatsoever he's commanded us. If we have that relationship, that, that, that true back and forth, that it's, it's not because of what we do, it's because of what he's done and who he is. But man, that's how we relate to him. This morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you with this as I've been encouraged and challenged as well. And if you're not pressing into the word of God, if you're not pressing into him, if you try to pick and choose how we connect with God and his people, 
if you're trying to pick and choose how to connect with his body, his plan, if you constantly find yourself standing on the edge of leaving the church, leaving your faith, if you constantly find yourself standing on the fringe of backing out of fellowship with the people of God and the things of God, how can we expect to receive at the hand of God the way that Joseph did? Because Joseph wasn't doing that. Joseph wasn't saying, listen, I've got a raw deal, God, and if you don't show up, I'm out. He didn't say that. He needed to be faithful to God and have that relationship that was sincere with God, and God was blessing him, blessing him consistently, causing his hand. Yes, it's all of God's grace. No, we can't earn his love. However, we are the ones that determine the connection that we have with God. He made it, his arms are wide open. He afforded us the, the opportunity. He made the way. We can enter into the holiest because the blood, the veil was torn. It's all him. But the closer that we draw, the closer he draws is what James tells us. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God doesn't want us to say that we have a close relationship with him. He actually wants us to have a close relationship with him. He doesn't want us to put on to others that we, we have a relationship with, with him because we do religious things like go to church and carry a Bible and, and say we're a Christian. He actually wants us to walk in fellowship with him and represent him and experience that relation. How about you this morning? Are you living in a sincere daily relationship with him? Or do you simply just try to imply that you are? Are you seeking him, pressing into him, drawing close to him, obeying him? Maybe this morning was a simple reminder. God wants, he, he, he doesn't want something pretend. He wants something sincere. Maybe we just need to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I, I, I come to you and I surrender my all to you. I want that sincere relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word and the challenge, again, that you've given me in this. And I pray that you would just challenge our church with this. Lord, we realize that you're not a genie. We realize that we're not taking a gamble on you. We realize that we have a, a, a sincere relationship. That's, a, that's what you want with us. And uh, God, we pray that you would just move now in this invitation. Just have your way, have your will. If there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship, has never entered into a relationship with you through faith, that they'll come this morning and ask, how do I get that? I want to go to heaven when I die. How, how do I have a relationship with God? I pray that you would move them and they'll respond. Lord, just help us all now respond rightly in Jesus' name.